to the 40N News Podcast with your host, James Coppert. Episode 11, part 2. I've got my cup of tea, Lapsang Sushong, my bag of sweets, and we're ready to go. Now, if you missed episode 1, it's out before, it's all the ghost and uh, spooky news plus the UFO news. This is part 2, which is the cryptids and animals, as well as just the weird and strange, wonderful news from December. Now, as most of you know, unless you're a first-time listener, it's, it's this kind of out late and in two parts because I recorded it before and the cat destroyed it, so we're having to record it again, which is why it's late. And she's on one tonight. Um, you will hear clattering. I've given up. I've tried. I've re-recorded this about 20 times, this intro. And you know when you just have to realise how insignificant you are and submit to a higher power? That's where I am. If I shut her out... She's scratching at the door meowing, and the door's right by where I'm recording. So I'm just going to have to leave her to it. She's knocked things off the desk. She's uh, she's like biting me if I ignore her. Um, wanting to be stroked. She's, she's just wanting attention tonight. So you will hear noise. And unless I'm going to re-record every bit 50 times, it, it's just going to have to... Going to have to do it. She's lying down now, so hopefully we're okay for a little while. Ah, oh, pumpkin cat. Actually, she seems to be going to sleep, so we could be safe. So uh, let's crack on while we can. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, I'm really flattered as well by... I've logged on to Apple Podcasts and seen some of the reviews. Um, So thank you so much for the people that have left a review. Uh, Really appreciate it. And really touching, actually, the things that you said. It's uh, very flattering. So thank you so much. It's lovely. Really lovely. And thank you to the people that have got in touch as well. One of those is David, who is in Texas, but resides from Oklahoma, who sent me an amazing story from his uh, hometown state, which will be featuring in next month's show. Um, Thank you so much for sending that in. Really appreciate it and really pleased that you found the show. And saying that, if you have a news story from your part of the world, please do send it in, 40newspodcast at gmail.com. And we'll feature it on the show as well as put it on the Flipboard app for everyone else to kind of see it. Even if it's in a foreign language, we can put it through Google Translate and kind of get a gist of what it's about. Sometimes these really small kind of independent media outlets have some amazing stories that are reported. We've we've got one here in our town called the, the Scarborough News and there's some incredible stuff in there sometimes. So yeah, please do send them over. And it's great to receive those rather than just kind of the, the mainstream stuff that everyone sees. So let's let's keep this kind of community of 40 and going. Get them sent in. I want to give a big shout out to Fran. I've been having a lovely chat with. So Fran said that she lived in Australia for a while and a lot of people did go down onto the beach on Christmas Day, but she never saw anyone put shrimps on the barbie. It's funny, isn't it, how these kind of traditions that we perceive in other countries um, become almost the zeitgeist of what that country's like and what they do. When I used to go to the States, people used to say, oh, you Brits always do this, don't you? And I was like, I, I don't think I know anyone that's ever done that, you know, um, asking all these kind of weird things. And I remember one guy thought that everyone, like like it was almost law that we had to have porridge for breakfast. I bet one like Aussie was just in a pub once somewhere and, and they were talking about 
how it's hot in Australia at Christmas compared to here. And he, he managed to catch some shrimps one day and just decided to, you know, instead of chuck them out, have a barbecue on the beach with them on, on Christmas Day. And suddenly every Australian roast shrimp on a barbecue on, on the beach on Christmas or something like that. That's how it have happened, won't it? Actually, the town I live in now does have some, some weird traditions. So bearing in mind at the moment, it's minus one. Um, although because the air's so damp, it, it feels a lot colder. And on Boxing Day, it starts off with a football match. It used to just be the police versus the fire brigade, but I think it's there's loads of different matches on the beach now. And then loads of people just jump in the sea, not with a wetsuit on, like in the cold sea. Often they'd raise money for charity. They have a rough race. Um, you know, this used to be a kind of... Originally, it was a Viking settlement. So Scarborough comes from the name Scarthberg, which is um, it's, it's a Viking settlement. And it was a fishing town. And obviously, there was very strong gender roles in those days. And Boxing Day was the day where women could go out, not have to do all the housework, and go out and get drunk and be merry. Um, that's kind of gone now. And now the entire town seems to start off on the beach getting drunk on the seafront pubs um, and then work their way uptown. And it normally ends up in a 2,000-person drunken brawl in the middle of town. So I tend to avoid that, really, and just stay home and watch telly. Um, there's a few strange Scarborough traditions, which I'll probably get into. Shrove Tuesday has got a specific tradition that does not occur anywhere else in the world, as far as I know. But I'll fill you in with that nearer the time. So I'm a podcast hoster. You, you pay a subscription and then you get stats and everything. And uh, the one show that has had the most listens was the show where I was explaining about the the cat destroying the entire show and having to start again. And I think it was titled "Excuse Me While I Cry." And it just made me realise that some you know loads of people have been searching crying, like they've gone. I really want to hear someone cry, and downloaded that one. Maybe, like, I just should put out a couple of shows of me just kind of beefing into the microphone. You know, just give myself a couple of slaps, have a few tears and, you know, wail a bit and just increase my my listening figures. What do you think? I just found it just amusing. It's like <laughs> all the shows are put together and, you know, I list all the things that are involved and the one that is outlistened by all of them is me just saying I could cry. So what did you all think to the interview with uh, SD Tucker? Now, I know not everyone... Will have agreed with everything he said, but it's definitely a, a really interesting interview. I find him absolutely fascinating. I did actually go straight out and buy the um, the Hidden Folk book as well. Really looking forward to to reading that. And uh, he, he mentioned the Battersea Poltergeist that the BBC have done a podcast about it. I don't know if any of you checked that out yet. I think episode three is out now. Um, that is really really good. Really do recommend it. Really, just uh, they've got a skeptic and a believer on there, both of which are scientists. And um, they even interview the the girl that was involved. And it's kind of part documentary and part reenactment. And then they they kind of do a reenactment and then start discussing the potentials of what it could be and what it couldn't be. And it's really well done. And one one of the best things I've heard in a long time, especially if you're just interested in this stuff. Uh, but please don't just listen to that and then abandon me. I need as many of you as possible. Uh, <laughs> yeah, please don't leave me. I feel all that and then I'll cry again. But then I will get more listeners. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. Uh, while I'm talking about other podcasts as well, there is another podcast um, that I've been listening to recently. Um, it's a small independent podcast like this. Uh, it's by Steph Young, who's this amazing journalist. You probably read some of her books. She does a lot about missing people. 
but at the moment she's done quite a few about the smiley face killers. Now, I don't know if you know anything about this, but it's really terrifying. So basically, these young, fit men, often swimmers even, uh, suddenly disappear. They're at a bar normally, and they haven't really drank much or anything, but they, they seem as if they're suddenly very, very drunk. And they decide to leave the pub or they're kicked out of the pub or bar. Um, they wander home and then just vanish. They'll search the area, for example, and then they'll appear in like really shallow water, seemingly drowned, um, when they might be really, really strong swimmers. But also the area's also been searched and they suddenly appear. And more often than not, there's a smiley face around the area done in graffiti somewhere. It's really terrifying and... It's happening in all across America and in Manchester in the UK, but way more scary than any, you know, poltergeist, demonic stuff, because this is obviously human being phenomenon. But like Steph is a amazing journalist, like it's so well researched. She did some shows earlier in the year that uh, were, you know, episode two is who are the smiley face killers. And then she's done a load more recently. So I definitely recommend that if you're into kind of, 40 and true crime it's one of the uh it's you know generally one of the most terrifying things that i've heard on a podcast because steph as well she she really brings these people to life as human beings and they're just suddenly gone and there's obviously some organized this can't be one person there's some organization around it all um and there's even ex-fbi people kind of tracking it who are certain that this is almost either a cult or a gang of serial killers and, you know, it also baffles me, why is this not in the mainstream news? So if you're interested, definitely go check her out and support her. This, again, just to really clarify, this isn't a paid promotion. This is because I've been listening to it and think it's really good. So just sharing that with you. So as I mentioned previously on the last show is Pamela's agreed to come on the show and she's a medium. And so I'm looking to you if you've ever wanted to ask a medium something then now's your chance, now's your opportunity. Please send any questions in. This is your show as well. Now, there's no such thing as a stupid question. If you genuinely want to know the answer, please don't be afraid just to send the question in and I'll make sure it's asked. 410newspodcast at gmail.com and you can find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Pamela's a really good sport. She's a very intelligent lady and, uh, yeah, she'd be happy to... uh, to, to receive any questions from you and I'm sure she'll be able to give us some some fascinating insight into that, that world, you know it's it's not something that, that everyone's part of and I'm sure you have lots of different questions so it should be a very interesting interview and conversation so I'm really looking forward to that I've rambled long enough haven't I, I bet you're saying James shut up and get on with the news, well here it is December, Phantom and Monsters reported that a man was being chased by a strange cryptid in South Georgia, USA. The man stated he was returning home from his girlfriend's house on his pushbike, but as he set off, he felt a palpable, ominous feeling, a feeling which was echoed by his girlfriend. As he rode home, he passed a parking lot with a group of people stood inside it. 
He stated that he kept his head down and didn't say a word to them, but heard someone shout, Hey! aggressively. He carried on cycling but felt fear. When he turned round, he saw that the group were now chasing him on their bikes for reasons he does not know. Luckily for the man, he was a proficient cyclist and sped forwards, taking fast, tight corners, and began losing the group as one by one they fell behind. His relief, however, was only fleeting, as when he took a look behind him to see if the group were beaten, he saw, Man, this huge thing was chasing me. It was very lanky and tall, and my guess around, around seven foot, and it had a tall face. It had very long pronounced knuckles and this pale white skin. The man pedalled for his absolute life with terror, and yet still, the humanoid was catching him up. It couldn't maintain this rate of speed though, and the man did manage to reach his house. He threw his bike to the ground and flew into his home, which was luckily unlocked. He told his mum who's been chased, and she ran out and heard something say, Hey! She notified the police who patrolled the neighbourhood for two weeks without finding these people or the creature. Phantoms and monsters have reported these creatures are increasing in their frequency. So what are they? Well, by their description, it sounds like Slenderman. But the issue with this is, Slenderman was an invention in an internet competition. So is this a tulpa? A tulpa is created when enough people believe in something, it can generate itself as a corporal reality. It's part of Buddhist mysticism. So maybe if enough British people believe that Aussies put shrimps on Barbies at Christmas, they'll start doing it. There was one really famous case of this, and you'll have to forgive me because I can't remember where where it was or when it was, but basically a guy dressed up as a vampire and stood in a churchyard and a few people saw him and then they started kind of spreading the rumour that they've seen this vampire in a churchyard and over the years, because this rumour kind of occurred, people then started genuinely seeing this strange creature in the churchyard. It was as if their unified belief altogether and that energy that it takes to put into those thoughts actually created it from nothing into corporal reality. So if enough of you actually believe that this podcast is popular, it might actually become that way. I know it's probably easier to, you know, create a vampire, but we might as well give it a go, aren't we? Other people thought that this could be an alien or just a really strange creature that was actually from the Earth originally. Well, I wonder, what would actually have happened if it caught him? Like, is it predatory? Or did it just enjoy a chase, like, playfully? It obviously didn't feel that way and he, he said he felt something and so did his girlfriend the moment they came out the house so was this whole event generated for for them for their experience which is why the police didn't see anything or or anyone else and sometimes it's like that isn't it it's like you know they the second that guy came out the house him and his girlfriend felt this palpable energy in the air that something negative was going to happen now i wonder if someone else went down that street at the same time whether they'd actually see nothing but the guy on his bike riding as fast as he could. Are these things just for these individuals for some reason? Or are they actually there? I mean, we don't know. I'm just chucking it in the air. Let, let me know what you think anyway. Be an interesting discussion. Nessie was back again. Numerous media outlets reported that the official 13th sighting of the legendary beast in one of the most busy years in Nessie history for the cryptid Louise Power, aged 38, and her mother Jennifer McRae were on a walk on Great Glen Way. 
What they filmed is a greyish snake-like creature on the surface of the water, large in size, that drifted along the surface before sinking underneath. At first, the video is unclear, but stills that have been released and cleaned up show something the size of an anaconda. This record sighting year comes as other paranormal experiences have also had record sightings in 2020. Now that in itself is interesting, isn't it? A record year for Nessie, a record year for UFOs, a record year for, you know, ghosts and poltergeist, etc, etc. Now is this because of lockdown that so many people are inside when we do go for what? There's a slightly quieter ambience in the world, isn't there? So you're more likely to notice a UFO or a strange sound or a strange sight. Or is it the kind of the fear, the mourning, the anxiety, the worry? You know, all these things are actually generating more energy that these entities, whatever they are, are feeding off. Is that's what's creating them more? Or are we all just going a little bit cuckoo? You know, who knows? But there's definitely been increases in sighting of the 40 and in 2020. A man was fishing in a pond in South Carolina and caught an insanely large goldfish, 15 times bigger than average and weighing 9 pounds. If anyone's ever visited Australia, you may have heard of the cryptid called the drop bear. The Museum of Australia even has a page about it, reports CNN. They look like the cousin of the koala, but around the size of a dog with orange fur and black spots. They live up trees and jump down to feast on large mammals like kangaroos and especially non-native Aussies. Equally weird, is it's not true. It's an entire country in-joke to scare away tourists, although they may be laughing on the other side of the face if the tulpa theory what we mentioned before becomes true. And these little baggers stop dropping out of trees. Science of Nature published research that spiders can still produce normal asymmetrical webs, even in zero gravity, as long as they have a light source available for reference. You could just see them before this. You've done it all wrong, Howard. Well, there's no bloody... I can't see what I'm doing, can I? That was an actual recording from the space station between the spiders before the astronauts gave them a light to work by. Achalina sagorum has been discovered as a new species according to CNN. This is a strange, iridescent snake. The scales are a pinkish purple and reflect light like some man-made iridescent material. It is thought it has not been discovered before because they found it is a burrowing snake and its scales are spread out instead of overlapping, known as an odd-scaled snake and only 13 odd-scaled snake species are known to exist, most of them living in Vietnam. Its scales genuinely do look like something man-made, which makes you wonder how that, you know, things evolve for a use, don't they? So why is something that buries itself underground produced iridescent scales? And you do realise I will be thinking about that now until I know the answer. When it gets chilly, we put on a new coat. Bears can't do this, so they go into hibernation. However, panda bears don't get enough nutrition from bamboo, so they can't go into hibernation. So scientists have discovered that they keep themselves warm in winter by getting dressed in horse poop. Yes, this is a genuine article. They begin by rolling in it, then they use their paws to cover all their fur with the droppings. According to the Smithsonian, scientists discovered this in nature 38 times usually when the temperatures have dropped. In reasonably fresh horse manure, there is a chemical called sesquiterpenes. The scientists got a load of mice and covered some in this chemical and others without it and made it cold. 
The ones that weren't covered huddled together to keep warm and shivered, while the ones that were covered in sesquiterpenes didn't seem to notice the cold at all, which proved the theory that the horse manure was actually maintaining some warmth in the bear. The big question is, how did pandas discover this initially? There's been manure there for about a thousand years while horses travelled along the trade routes. Did a panda just wander along and slip over in a load of manure and thought, oh crap, and then wandered to the river to wash it off but thought, hang on a minute, hang on, my back's quite warm. So you can kind of get how one bear maybe had an accident and then realised that they felt warmer and made that link. Yeah, I suppose your brain can make that jump. However, how did that bear then communicate it to the other bears? Because like, if I was cold and my mates came up to me and says, rub some crap on you, it'll warm you up. I'd think they were taking the mick. You know, so how did that bear manage to get the others just to, you know, go that final little bit further? Or did he just lob some at them and they were like, oh yeah, it is quite warm. Do you see what I mean? I don't know. Disappointingly, we'll, we'll never have the answers to these questions. Never. And that in itself just makes the world a colder place, doesn't it? In other poop news, National Geographic reported the Vietnamese honeybees collected bits of animal poop and splattered it around the entrance to their hives, which had the effect of keeping away hornets, one of their top predators. Not only is it amazing that they worked this out, but it's also an example of insects using tools. Another amazing discovery of December was farmer fish. Humans were the first to domesticate other animals when we first tamed the wolf to help us hunt around 15,000 years ago. The only other species known to do so have been insects, e.g. ants farm aphids protecting them from predators and in return they eat the sweet goo they excrete. However, researchers from Griffith and Deakin Universities has found that the long-finned fish on the coral reefs of Belize seem to have domesticated the mycid shrimp. Damselfish farm algae and use the shrimp's poop to fertilise the algae and make it grow better and in return no one messes with the shrimps or the damselfish gives it to them. You could actually do a Soprano spin-off series with damselfish and shrimps, couldn't you? I'd watch it. Right, okay, this one is really freaky. A man in Poland had heard some weird noises at night and thinking it to be an animal, went out with a torch and a camera to film it. Instead, as he gets close to the noise, there appears to be a wraith-type creature. This is a vaguely humanoid with bent-up limbs and bare-grey skin. It seemed to be just stood screaming and writhing behind a tree. Now, what makes this so compelling is, first of all, the video has been put through CGI detection technology and came up with no CGI being detected. And also for me, it's the response that the man has. So this is the second night this occurred, so this time when he goes out to film it, so he's going up into the trees. I bet he's imagining he's going to see some, you know, foxes mating or something. Shines his torch, and then he sees it. Now, if this was fake, I think he would scream and run and turn. But the way he responds is, is very human and natural. So he looks at it, and you could just... He's kind of going, hang on, what, what is that? What, what, am I really seeing what I think I'm seeing? You know how the brain works like that? And then you could tell there's the recognition because there's three heavy breaths that you can actually see. You can see kind of three steam breaths in the air before he just then turns and runs, which to me is very natural. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to play you the sounds so you can hear this bizarre video. 
And the ending is the exact response that I would do seeing that thing. Again, if you've like could recognize that sound, if you think it's fake and that's like someone in a suit doing a stupid kind of dance behind a tree and then they're amplifying those sounds, if you could recognize that sound, let me know. Be really interested to, to get your views on that. MUFON received a report that eight-foot reptilian-like humanoids are hanging out in a Pennsylvanian woods, according to multiple eyewitnesses. One witness won't even enter the area without carrying a gun and a bulletproof vest. He states that at night they surround his house and try and get into his head, communicating to him about the end of the world and that only a small group of humans will survive. He says that they sometimes get physical with him until he loses consciousness. Sometimes he shoots at them and light hits the bullets out of the air. So, being a true American, he stabbed one of them and he also used a bear trap on another. And although it hurts them, as they make a painful scream sound, the next day they were gone. He's released this information because he states that he wants help. CNN reports there's been a huge long problem with Burmese pythons being an invasive species in Florida, USA. The non-native species have flourished in the climate, putting itself high up on the food chain. The state has tried a number of ways to reduce this problem, which hasn't had much of an effect other than eliminating a few of the creatures from the ever-growing population. It may sound cruel, but imagine the island where the dodo lived, living peacefully for centuries. An invasive species in humans come along, and suddenly the dodo is no more. In fact, they think that these pythons devour 90-99% to of the small mammal population, after pet owners have set them free over the years. It's reported they've also been eating small deer, birds and even alligators. This is just one example as to why an invasive species needs to be managed. To come up with a solution, authorities thought local and came up with a solution they think will work. A way to a Floridian's heart is through their stomach. So let the locals eat them. That's right, pythons could soon be on the menu, no longer exclusively being used as cheap Floridian chat-up lines, the sentence, Hi there, honey. Fancy a long boa constrictor inside of you could soon be literal, with scientists currently determining if they're safe to eat. One issue is, the higher up you go on the food chain, the higher mercury levels can increase. So what does it taste like? Salty chicken, of course. You know the old joke of how do you hide an elephant in a tree? Well, actually, it wasn't a joke, and they were hiding there all along. In the Taita Hills in Kenya, a new species of nocturnal mammal called a hyrax has been discovered and traced its closest living relatives to an elephant. Although you may be quickly googling the animal and hoping to see tiny elephants walking along the branch, the only trunk this thing has is the tree that it sat in. A little like horses and hedgehogs are closely related, there is not much in common between them. The discovery was published in the Diversity Journal by the University of Finland. The tree-dwelling nocturnal mammal looks like a cross between a bush baby and a stoat, and they produce loud screams over 100 decibels. There is an actual, real cat burglar. A cat called China steals anything she can get her mouth on and brings them back to her owner. These have included darts, sharpies, light bulbs, cigarettes, clothing and once even a pair of scissors and featured in a bored panda article. The new 
newspaper based in Singapore has reported that the Bucket Tima Monkey Man has been caught on camera. The Bucket Tima Monkey Man is the Singapore version of Bigfoot who roams the jungle in this area. The creature even featured in numerous genuine Japanese military reports in World War II. The photograph shows a creature with a posture similar to a typical Bigfoot, but with a face far more gorilla-like. However, isn't it fascinating that different cultures around the world, even before we had media to communicate with each other, had the same legends of the same similar creatures? What does it mean? In fact, The Sun reported that Terry Roten and Nicole Wood were driving through snow in Prudenville, Michigan, and were shot to see a Bigfoot at the side of the road. They took a photo, but then were surprised that it didn't move. Only then did they realise this creature, which was really, really does look like a Bigfoot from behind, featuring arms, legs and heads, was a fir tree covered in snow. However, don't let that disappoint you. Santa Claus has to do an extra risk assessment when parking his reindeer for deliveries on the Alaskan North Slope. The Daily Star reports that the Alaskan Bushman, another cousin of Bigfoot, has been witnessed chasing reindeer so he can eat their meat. The Bushman stands a reputed ten foot tall, and local Inuits see herds of reindeer galloping in fear and then see this beast chasing them, which they name it the Tornit, with Inuits having seen the Tornit's footprints in the snow for centuries. Some of the recent reports are of the following. A creature chasing herds of reindeer, three tall tornits stood on a hill watching the humans below, and most recently, a man in a boat who saw a creature on the shore before he ran into the woodland. Of course, sceptics claim it would be a polar bear with mange. However, in true debunker style, they provide an explanation even more absurd than that this could be a cousin of Bigfoot. Although I do accept that a polar bear could get mange, What I don't accept is a polar bear with no fur can survive in the freezing temperatures of Alaska in December. Secondly, although I'm not a polar bear expert, I have to say I can't imagine polar bears chasing herds of reindeer or standing on hills on just their two feet. Normally when they run, they use all four. So one would suggest that it's not a polar bear with mange. But there may be a link with polar bears. According to an article posted on Christmas Day itself, a professor at Oxford University has been travelling to the USA, Russia and the Himalayas to track down evidence of Yeti and Bigfoot and has seemingly made a discovery. One of the world leaders in human genetics, Professor Brian Sykes, put out a worldwide call for Bigfoot samples, such as its hair, so that he could then test for its DNA. Professor Sykes is one of the world's leading DNA experts and was even the scientist who tested Otzi the Iceman. So why is a top scientist risking ridicule testing what many feel is just a myth? He states, Well, science doesn't accept or reject anything. All it does is examine the evidence. And that is what I'm doing. I want to find the answer. And that should be the basis for any scientific investigation. If there is anything really exciting, we will find it. In a quote that Charles Fort himself would approve of. And they did find something exciting. Fur, from Bhutan, said to be of the Yeti, 
was actually a polar bear's. But no normal polar bear. A polar bear from 40,000 years ago. They hypothesised that this ancient polar bear mated with a brown bear to create a hybrid. And this is why it behaves differently. So right there is some new evidence and answers. However, as it often is with the Fortean, you may actually find one answer, but then you're actually faced with an extra hundred questions. There have also been reports of Bigfoot being spotted in Scotland, where one threw a salmon at a male dog walker before running off into Culbin Forest. It's unclear if this was an act of aggression or if it thought that he just looked hungry. Phantoms and monsters reported that Bigfoot's stinky Floridian cousin, the skunk ape, has also been sighted. A man said that activity has been going on in his Lee County home for a while, beginning a few months ago, with taps on his window and strange clicking noises, which was followed by low guttural growls. One night he grabbed a drink and sat on his porch, which is when he heard a blood-curdling scream 150 feet behind his house. He went back in, where something then started beating the heck out of his porch. He didn't dare go out until it heard it doing the same to his neighbour's aluminium fence. The activity then went quiet until Thanksgiving 2020. He was awoken at 3am by the same scratches on his window. And what is strange is both times the usually noisy dogs stay absolutely silent, despite the noise outside. The homeowner, obviously being scared stiff, couldn't then sleep. He looked out the window and saw a figure around five foot five standing at the back of his house. He said that day a bunch of other stuff occurred over the course of the day and he ended up working in his garage at 10pm. He accidentally bangs the garage door and then someone bangs back on the other side. Of course, he thinks it's kids, so with a smile on his face, he bangs back in return. But instead of hearing his kids' giggles, what he hears is something like this. He bravely ventures outside to see whatever it was, but whatever it was has already gone. His trash cans have been rummaged through and there is a rancid smell lingering in the air. He calls his friend and tells him the story, who suggests that they sit outside on the porch and see what they can see. So they sit out there in the darkness and they spot a six foot plus skunk ape run from one side of his house to behind his neighbours, where the security light kicks in and they get a perfect view. Its fur is reddish brown in colour and it has large eyes and the witness said that it was twice the width of him. Its nose is completely bald with no hair on it. And after the initial shock of the light, the skunk ape then runs off. The witness stated that he's going to install trail cams around his house, and if anything is then captured, it will be put up by phantoms and monsters. I will keep you posted. Next up, another article featured in Phantoms and Monsters, and this was at an undisclosed location. A group of teens went to a park that is apparently infamous for paranormal activity. This includes hearing phantom drums, people witnessing flickering lights in the woods and a feeling of being watched or even stalked by a prey. One team went to the park and he kept hearing a phone notification going off around him inexplicably, so he ran home. The next day he told his friends and so, as kids do, they thought it would be cool to go on a ghost hunt at the weekend. Into the park and woodlands they went and everything was fine, but then just suddenly from out of nowhere, all of them felt like they had goosebumps. 
Next, there was a crash from somewhere around them. The flashlights were searching for the answer. Eventually, they saw something which they state they can make absolutely no sense of. There was a bony, humanoid-type creature with bare skin dragging itself towards them by its long arms. All of the group jumped in fear. Half of the group that very second, understandably, decided they had enough and ran away towards home. The other half also ran, but in the opposite direction, which is where they got the second shock. They saw something they describe as being seven to eight feet tall in the woods, poke its head out from behind the tree. Just like the first creature, it had bare skin, which the light reflected off. It also had slit-like eyes, which they described with jet black. Interestingly, this sounds a lot like what is in that Polish video, also in a woods. On Thanksgiving 2020, in Westover, Somerset County, a lady was out driving and saw a giant bird in the road. It was stood with its wings outstretched and took up almost the entire width of the highway, estimated being around 14 feet and the bird being around 4 foot tall, brown and grey in colour. She watched it for around 5 minutes. She said she's an experienced country person and it was not an eagle, heron or any other large bird and she thinks it was a thunderbird, part of Native American folklore and is still often regularly witnessed. American alligators are an old, old species, one of the few most closely related to their ancestors of dinosaur times and have been unchanged for millions of years, and yet scientists have only just discovered that they can actually regrow portions of their tails back. We also have only just found out this month that octopus like to punch other fish, that's what 2020 was all about. A man in Durham, North Carolina, and I've pronounced Durham in the original English version, I don't know whether the Americans pronounce it Durham or anything, but let's just go with Durham. So a man in Durham, North Carolina, has seen something he states that he cannot identify. It was huge, the size of a moose, with long deer-like legs, but its face was distinctly canine as was its dog-like tail, according to phantoms and monsters. Wonder what we could call it, maybe a deuce, like a dog moose, or a mog. My Modern Net published photographs of the Wonderpus octopus from the depths of the ocean. The Wonderpus is like a normal octopus, apart from it being completely transparent, so all you can see is its little brain bobbing around inside its head. A report by the Singular Fourteen Society, stated that two women in Oregon on November the 26th were driving between Oregon, Wisconsin and Stoughton and at first saw a black shape fly really fast ahead of the car. Later, a possum was in the road, so they stopped and drove round it and looked up because they saw a huge black shape swoop down and right cut across the road. As it flew under a lamppost, they saw it and described it as being a very dark, reddish-brown. It was humanoid, but more bulky than a human, and it had large wings. The passenger then later saw it standing in the field, and it had bright red eyes. Sounds very similar to descriptions of Mothman described in last episode, doesn't it? Brooke Bartleson, Arthur Lefo, and Scott Deer spent two hours hiking in the woods to photograph great grey owls. 
What they didn't expect was one of the owls to swoop out of the tree and land on one of the camera lenses, leading Scott Deer also becoming part of the picture as the others started snapping the image. Right, I never know which section to feature black-eyed kids. Is it UFOs, is it ghosts and demons, or is it cryptids? So, whichever they are, we'll put it in cryptids this week. Phantoms and Monsters report a teen was doing his homework when there was a knock at the door. A hard knock, described as the type of knock a cop would do. The teen, who was home alone, opened the door to see a blonde-haired kid, around eight years old, wearing tatty and dirty clothes. The teen said, Can I help you? And with an assertive tone, the boy said, Let me in, I need something to eat. Naturally, the teen replied, Do I know you? So he barked the same thing, but louder this time, but in a weird, flattish tone. A little concerned for him, he asked if he should call his mum or dad, and he also tried to make small talk with him, but he just stood there, silent. He said he touched his shoulder, but it didn't feel like flesh. It was rock hard. And that was when he noticed his eyes had turned jet black. He turned round and left the kid in the doorway to get some food. And as he did, he was thinking to himself that the aura around this kid is as black as his eyes were. And while he walked back, the kid was gone. The teen just stood there confused. And that's when he heard a voice, but telepathically, like he was overhearing it in his head saying, Why Why didn't didn't it work? work? It It didn't didn't work. Also, just published on December the 17th, was an incident from November the 3rd. A girl and her sisters were asleep at home while the parents were out and they were awoken just after midnight by a knock at the door. She opened the door and saw kids, but they didn't look right. She stated that the little boy was around eight and had weird shoes and outfit like someone in their 40s would wear. The girl was six and had a really 90s haircut and a 70-year-old's outfit. She asked them if they were lost, and both kids said at the same time in unison, Our parents will be here soon. Confused, she asked, Do you need anything? To which they responded, Can we come in? She immediately felt off about these kids. She had a feeling, and the voices just were not right either. She said that they could wait, but outside. And they asked to come in, but more aggressively and getting angry. She said that the yelling woke her sister up, who turned on the porch light. That was when she noticed these kids had black eyes. So she shut the door. The kids, in anger, tore up some plants and cracked a window. Then then watched these two kids get into a black car with two tall men in suits. These freaked me out more than pretty much anything else paranormal. But it is like there is this strange set of rules that they have to abide by. They have to try and get in, but they can't actually do it unless they have permission. They always look like they found clothes or got them second-hand, so they're slightly off-kilter with the modern age or missized or just really stinky and smelly, and they can only keep their normal eye colour going for a short period of time. As soon as that mask slips or they lose their temper, it's like the concentration goes and their eyes go back, reverting to their normal black colour. People also just often sense something off about them, 
this of course is really unnatural with kids because normally you, you feel a kind of paternal or maternal kind of caring thing if some kids came to your door and seemed to be in trouble but with these almost like you come with a predator you can just sense or you know there's just some people who you know are just dodgy and give you the creeps it's like they emit that but tenfold also if you do kind of give in and let them in it seems that some sort of badness enters the home and bad luck so like families get ill pets die you know just really negative horrible things occur if you like this story and you want to hear more, then I really recommend Astonishing Legends. They're a huge show. They've got literally millions of downloads, but it's because they're brilliant. And their Black Eyed Kids series is just uh, very, very creepy. So I definitely recommend checking that out. I'm really pleased to say that I have never witnessed a BEK Black Eyed Kids. But I do have a, a kind of similar story, which still freaks me out and gives me the chills now. So... Around three years ago this occurred and I worked in an office on Moor Lane in Eastfield which is next to a school. This one week the street just had this weird vibe that you could, it was kind of palpable in the air, you could, you could really feel it. The kids were always kicking off at school just more than normal and then the first like really big event occurred when a group of mums started fighting and I don't mean like arguing, I mean fist fighting proper hitting each other beating each other up outside the school gates until the police were called and separated them a couple of days after this just during the day this man turned up on the road wearing tracksuit bottoms a t-shirt and absolutely nothing else no shoes no socks and he was apparently carrying scissors now i spoke to this guy because he looked really confused and out of it and he obviously, he, he was saying he had no idea why he was there or how he got there. And you could tell that he was quite upset by this confusion. In the end, staff at the school came out and they called the police who dealt with him. But it was just really strange. Now, the next day, I was on my lunch and I was going to the shop to get some food. And you know when someone's just staring at you and you can feel it? So you turn and face them. Well... This car drove past and it looked like a car from the early 90s in kind of like a, a golden brown sort of colour. So it was kind of out of time, but then it's also not that uncommon to see a really old car driving about. But this woman was driving it really slowly past me and I noticed she was staring right at me with a huge grin on her face. And it was like she didn't have normal eyes. There were these huge black spaces. Her eyes balls were about the size of golf balls. And it felt like she knew me and she was threatening me just by staring at me. I just remember saying F that and quickly walked off, hoping I'd never, ever bump into her in my life again. As soon as I got to the shop, I, I called someone who's an expert in this type of thing. They've written books on it. And I told them what I saw. And they said that it could have looked normal to anyone else, but because it's me and they know stuff happens around me, that I saw its true form. Now, I don't know if that's true. I personally feel whoever, if someone else was with me there that day, they would have seen the same thing I did. It was very clear. It wasn't like, you know, something in the mind. It was there. But our work was all about helping people, especially those that were struggling or disadvantaged. And the threat didn't work. It, I just felt evil. And 
it made me more determined to support and help people, which is what I continue to do now. So make of that what you will. Now, of course, like the first thing the mind wants to do is to say, no, you were wrong. You were imagining things. It couldn't have been that. And I think you do when you look back. But I start to tell myself, you did see that. You were certain at that time that you saw that. So to stop trying to convince yourself otherwise. Yeah. And the fact that it still gives me chills now, even thinking about it. I don't even really talk about it much. Partly because people think about me, obviously, but it just creeps me out. I don't even like thinking that our world contains things like that, if you know what I mean. Anyway, that is it for the cryptids and animals. And uh, next up, we've just got December's weird news. And there was a lot of it, as you would expect from probably one of the world's weirdest years altogether anyway. put it lightly, 2020 was a weird year. Not just did we have the coronavirus, but we had the corona conspiracies taking over the world. 5G reputedly kills everyone. And it's also the year that Poland actually did, accidentally, for real, invade the Czech Republic, almost starting a war because someone wanted to take a photograph of a castle. It was also the year that a German administrative court in Karlsruhe, if I pronounce that wrong, let me know, won a court battle to stop a baker making biscuits out of sawdust, which he said he's been doing for 20 years with no issue. The baker fought back, stating that it's suitable for eating, as wood pulp is actually found in many USA cheese brands, according to the report, which is something I didn't know. We reported the first monolith in November, and December didn't disappoint where the trend continued. So many, in fact, there are too many to discuss after the original appeared in Utah. So let me just quickly list some of those that have appeared. In India, one appeared at the Symphony Forest Park in Ahmedabad in Gujarat, which then disappeared, leaving a metallic sphere in its place. One appeared at Zanata in Casablanca in Morocco. In Austria, a total of four monoliths were reported. In Belgium, three, one of which in the province of Limburg had Latin on it saying fortis in unum, which means as one, we are strong. The Czech Republic had one, Finland a total of four, France had a total of four, Deutschland went monolith crazy with ten appearing in Germany, in Hungary there was one, Italy had five, one of them was built in the town centre in Ferrara and a press release was sent out to the media stating it was built there by Fox Mulder from the X-Files. The Netherlands had a total of four. Norway had just the one, but police looked at CCTV footage and found it to be cut at the exact time that the monolith appeared. Make of that what you will. Romania had two monoliths appear, one of which was absolutely shrouded in conspiracies after people saw bright lights appear from the sky and the monolith suddenly appear, and then it disappeared just as quickly during the same bright lights, according to some reports. Both Slovakia and Slovenia had two, as did Spain, Five in Sweden, one in Switzerland. The UK went as crazy monolith as Germany, with ten appearing. The Ukraine had two. Canada beat the UK and Germany with eleven. The biggest of all was the United States of America, of course, which had a total of 34 in December. 
Unlike the rest of the world, though, a lot of these got vandalised by far-right groups who came along saying that they don't want illegal aliens, let alone those from outer space. Not to get too political, but classing, say, Mexicans, for example, as the same thing as aliens from a different galaxy, I think we should politically think of them slightly as different and, and treat them slightly differently, respectively. Um, it's just a thought, maybe worth considering. I don't know if you could have the same kind of political regulations as someone that walks or drives or gets in a boat to cross your border as to one that flies thousands of light years, millions of light years uh, in a UFO. You know, just something worth considering if any of you ever get into power. Australia had two monoliths, one of which had coordinates etched into its side that went from Trump Tower to the Sphinx in Egypt. New Zealand had just the one on the Christchurch Adventure Park. Panama had one. The Bahamas had one, Bolivia had one, Colombia had one, Paraguay had one, and in the Middle East, there was one appeared in Iran in a village called Nik Namde, a small village about 15 kilometres east of Tehran. My favourite, however, was the one in Utah. Lad Bible published a photo on the 4th of December of an incredible, perfectly shaped black monolith in the Utah sky taken by Jeff Jacobs. Jeff said he was taking a photo of the sunset for his wife when they saw a jet black rectangle suddenly appear and as soon as it appeared, it disappeared. It's an incredible photo as the lines of the black tower are perfectly straight and looks almost like a scroll is at the bottom of it. Of course, it's opened up guesses and conspiracies with many people believing it is a portal opening up. Even if this was created in Photoshop, it's beautiful and awe-inspiring sight. The fact that it's an actual photograph makes it even more incredible. Go check it out. Bruh. I don't know where that came from. I think it's because I said go check it out. I got back to my street days. GeorgeTacker.com asked completely rational, non-superstitious people what are the things that they actually get creeped out by or are superstitious of. And here's what they said. A few said they couldn't walk in the basement when the lights are off as they could just feel something that scared the life out of them even though they could walk the rest of the house in the dark without issue. So for me, they're definitely actually picking up something, but that's a different story. One man said that in the south of the USA, him and others, despite not believing in anything like that, paints their porch roofs blue to keep evil spirits away. Because let's be honest, evil spirits walk up to a door about to go in, look up and go, I hate blue and walk away. The other tradition down there is when they put the shoes down, they put one shoe one way and the other they're facing the other way. Because... What you need to understand is these evil spirits and demonic entities, even though they're so powerful that God just can't defeat them, you can kick their butts, right, by putting your shoes the wrong way, especially with the blue shoes, you've won. You know, all these, you know, the Catholic Church, these kind of ancient Jewish mysticism traditions, you know, all these Muslim beliefs in the in the jinn, don't use holy water, you know, and all these, just chuck a Chelsea shirt at them. Yeah, and when they run off to make sure they don't, just get not only just turn the shoes back to front, tie the shoelaces together, so even if they do work it out, it trips them up as well. We're also doing a public service with this podcast, okay? None of you lot are ever going to get possessed. You now have the secrets to true mysticism. Let's, let's make up a rhyme just to true blue, turn round shoe. Remember that and you're safe. One woman lives in the Bell Witch area and doesn't believe in the Bell Witch, but still 
would not for love nor money call her name three times in front of the mirror. Particularly, when her mum told her that she did it when she was younger, she got three scratches down her face. A healthcare worker says the hospital they work in never ever says that it's quiet today as you are tempting fate. I can relate to that in our work as well. Whenever we'd say, oh, it's really quiet, especially on a Friday afternoon when we're about to go home, we'd suddenly get a load of referrals, definitely. The hospital workers also say that they hate working in a full moon. Now, there's been a lot of evidence that's debunked this whole full moon theory because the police and healthcare workers said it was such an intense time. The police said they'd have more reports of just crazy activity, you know, like some random guy running down the street naked to more domestic abuse and things. And although a lot of scientists have debunked this, there was actually 14 Times posted an article debunking this by the stats. There is a new study coming out, which I will talk about as it was only published this month in uh, January's news. Another person who was never superstitious but then became so said that they postponed a final paper by telling their professor that their aunt died. Just after this, her aunt died and she still believes she caused it. A soldier stated, if you find a doll in a used car or your home or anywhere, do not remove it. They said they found one in their barracks, so they threw it out, and suddenly all the internet and electronics just stopped working. They went straight out, searched through the trash to find it again, and once it was back in the place, everything worked again, just like normal. One man follows no superstitions ever, but said he also never ever leaves a hat on a bed or a couch. One said he was brought up in a scientific atheist family, but they always said never, ever do a Ouija board and never, ever bring one into the house. I know this is a, a constant debate in paranormal society about Ouija boards, but I'll just tell you a quick story. Uh, my, my granddad, when he used to work at Massey Ferguson making tractors on the production line, and one guy came in and he had a Ouija board and he'd been mucking about with it the night before, and he brought it into work and said, I need this out of my house. I just, it's, you know, I don't want anything to do with it. And my granddad, you know, just thinking it was a load of nonsense, took it home. And, um, and he just said to me, never, ever have one. And uh, I asked him and he would never tell me what had happened. He just brought it home, that mucked about with it that night. And he's never, ever, even, I asked him just before he died, I was like, granddad, you know, you're very poorly. It's not long. Give me the answer. What, why? And he still wouldn't tell me then. Another person in Ireland said whether you're superstitious or not, when you hear music, you do not follow where the sound comes from. I also have a few superstitions, so if I see a truck going really, really fast, never ever step in front of it. Now, I can actually say that I am one of those people that does not believe in superstitions at all, thinks it's a load of nonsense, and yet still does them. So I don't know if this is a, a northern thing in the UK or whether it's across the UK, and I doubt it's across the world, but if you see one magpie, you have to tip your hat and say good morning, Mr. Magpie, or good afternoon, Mr. Magpie. And that is one that I always do. It doesn't matter if I'm in a conversation with someone at work and in the middle of it, I see a magpie, I still have to do it. I just have to. I also had an ex-girlfriend who, she would never walk on a group of three drains. And if you did by accident, you have to quickly spit on the floor, which I was like, what are you talking about? It's like, but now... I still won't step on free drains. So if I'm walking on like a narrow pavement, which is, I guess under COVID is not that unusual, but someone's walking the other way, I will stand and wait for them. And they look at me like, well, we can both pass while you stood there. It's because if I pass, I have to walk on free drains and then look disgusting by spitting on the floor, if I actually do. So I, I just avoid them. But weirdly, I'll walk under a ladder and things like that. 
I'll happily walk under ladders. I'll do it tempting fate without any problem whatsoever. Superstitions are a weird one, aren't they? When, when I was a child, as it often occurs with people with ADHD, I had uh, OCD as well. So I would... I had to get to certain places within 10 seconds. And if I didn't, I had to go back and start again. Um, I would get, you know, toys and twist their heads and have to twist them the other way the same amount of times and make sure that it was done. Uh, you know, it completely rules your life and be, can be quite difficult. So, yeah, I, I really do kind of exp understand sometimes the anxiety um, of, of things like this. I, I also used to click my teeth between lampposts um, and, and then would be really worried if I didn't. You know, I think we had... You know, we had a difficult time and that's a way, especially for a child, to um, manipulate the anxiety and try and place some sort of control over it. And I guess that's the same with superstitions, isn't it? It's trying to, you know, avoid fate and try and keep yourself in control of the superstition. I'll tell you one that's true, and I don't know whether it's it classed as a superstition, but if my girlfriend tells me, I've banned her from saying that we're going to get lucky that night, I've banned her from doing it because if she says it, something will happen to ensure we don't. So now we just let fate do its thing so that we can do ours. In Spain, there was a mix-up in the labelling of bottles of omeprazole, a drug for children with poorly tummies, and instead the bottles came minoxidil. Thankfully, this mix-up isn't life-threatening, as a mix-up can potentially be. However, it has created hypertrichosis, also known as werewolf syndrome, meaning the children have started growing thick hair all over their body. Of course, quite understandably, this has led to a huge lawsuit, which could turn out to be quite hairy. Sometimes we all just need something that tickles our fancy. Now there's a British term for you. Enter the new Dallas business, the Tickle Bar. The Dallas Observer reported on the 2nd of December that Kimberly Haley Coleman is launching a business after she was sat there thinking, I wish someone would tickle my back when she had the brainwave to start a business doing just that. You get greeted with a glass of rosé and pink cookie before being taken to a tickle tent, a Moroccan-style tent complete with fairy lights. You can choose either hair play, back tickle or both. You can even choose what you want to be tickled with. It could either be with feathers or something with harder textures. They even offer shape tracing where they draw shapes or names onto your back. My lady really likes me to do this to her back, but then gets cross with me because can't help but start picking all the time. I, I just couldn't work there. It's like masseuses. I don't know how they do it. You know, Say someone's there and you're giving them a massage and they've got just one blackhead on the back, just one, and it's there. How do you just, you know, massage over it and leave it? It's like it'd be mouthing to you. Squeeze me, I dare you. You know, I, I just couldn't do it. I, I'd have to get, get right in there and give it a... Sorry, my, my finger slipped, you know, that type of thing. I couldn't just leave it. It would bug me all day. They'd go home. I'd be sat there eating my dinner at night going, ah, oh, that spot's still there. And suddenly half the audience turned off. The story of King Midas has lived in our world for centuries, but its kingdom city has been lost to time. Possibly until now. MSN has reported a farmer in Turkey found a strange stone in a local ditch when he was dredging it up. And it turns out it had markings on it which were in the Luwian language, the ancient Turkish language from the Bronze and Iron Ages. The words on the stone celebrated the defeat of Phrygia, a kingdom of Antolia from 3,000 years ago, meaning it must be referring to the King Midas of the Golden Touch fame. Is this the beginning of an enormous excavation job? Will they find the source of this golden legend?
this one will be really interesting because, you know, the legend says that everything he touched turned to gold. And of course, well, it might be, but it's unlikely to be true. But these legends stem from something in, in reality. So to excavate that city and find those clues will be fascinating. A strange clash occurred in Ohio. Well, strange to my eyes, but maybe it's a regular day-to-day occurrence in Ohio. A group described as Christian cultists by seen and heard visited the sacred Native American site of the Serpent Mount burial site. Why did they hire a bus and descend here to this very holy site on Serpent Mount built around 800 BC? Well, they needed to pray urgently to stop a dark energy being unleashed onto the world. They offered no reason as to how or why they knew this information or why it came from that site. They just said they had to stop it. Now, of course, local Native Americans were upset at this, as I'm sure the other side would be if they went to a Christian cemetery and did the same. After a bit of macho posturing on both sides, it led to what I can only describe to be as a religious chant-off, with what I propose to be the next big TV show. You could even have spin-offs, which is celebrity chant-off, you know. But look, here's me taking the mick out of them. But in reality, who knows, they could have actually saved humanity. If they hadn't driven all that way during lockdown and started doing these chants, the whole world could be destroyed right now, couldn't it? Media outlet Sahara Reporters reported that a female pastor named Rachel Alibi has filed for divorce as her husband was making preparations to use her for ritual purposes in a desperate attempt to acquire spiritual powers so that he could perform miracles. She alleged that she barely survived the last attempt to use her for voodoo or ritual purposes. She said as soon as she became his wife and moved in, she started to get slimmer and lost blood, which her husband attributed to her being possessed by a demon. But she said she knew he was performing voodoo on her. You, you could argue that neither of those was the logical explanation for this, but the judge just obviously sat back and went, what the hell do you want me to do with this? stated officially that he had lack of jurisdiction to dissolve the marriage and that they should approach the High Court. Okay, just a really quick alert. Um, this talks about some sexy things. So if you've got kids and you don't want them to hear it, I won't say anything explicit as it's an all-ages show, but I just want to warn people just in case they do have the kids around. But again, the stories are too good not to include. 23-year-old Letitia Martins also known as Luna LeBlanc, a model and Instagram influencer, posted a photo of herself in the Brazilian sun, sunning her Brazilian Brazilian bum. The carefully covered photo shows the model with her legs akimbo, with the centre of her legs winking at the sun, with the caption, Did you know exposing your private parts to the sun could provide you with more energy, increase your libido and improve your circadian rhythm and still help you get a good night's sleep? For those that don't know, your circadian rhythm is what regulates the entire function of the human body. She then asked, what do you think of this experience? Well, I'm happy to respond. This experience, as she called it, is claimed to be based on Taoist beliefs. Now, they do actually believe the perineum, for those that don't know, is the part of skin that goes from your genitals to your anus, also known as the gooch in the UK. But in Taoism, it's called Hui Yin, or the gate of life and death. And you must strengthen it, according to their beliefs, to prevent leakage of sexual essence and vital life energy. So the strengthen it part is actually part of Taoist beliefs. But sunning it in the sun is not part of Taoist beliefs. 
There's no evidence whatsoever for it, and it's simply being made up by influencers who want a sneaky click, I think. As in clickbait, that wasn't a euphemism. As in they want to do something that might be deemed slightly erotic, but also within the rules of Instagram to deem more clicks and likes. But look, this is the 14 podcast, so I'm not just going to poo-poo it. We need to test this idea. So let's look at each individual claim. So first of all, sunning the lady bits can create more energy. Well, I looked into this, the theory, not the lady bits, and there is some theory, there is some proof that the sun can provide energy. But this is actually with solar panels. That's where the mix-up's been. So if you sun solar panels, it does generate energy. Vaginas don't. Let's just hope, you know, really hope that that's where the, the mix-up stays because we don't want anyone nailing any labias to the roof expecting, you know, their electricity bills to go down. It won't, okay? Second claim, can it boost your libido? Well, from my experience... A sunburnt front bum significantly reduces libido until post-peeling. So that is untrue on that part, okay? And last of all, last claim, can it help you get a good night's sleep? Well, I couldn't research this one online, so I had to research it in person. I went down to the beach here by the North Sea, faced the sun while an Arctic wind and hailstones pelted down, and unfortunately it didn't help me sleep. In fact, the opposite was true. I spent the night in the police cells for public nudity, and which caused me quite a lot of stress, to be honest. The beds were uncomfortable, it was quite noisy. And secondly, the temperature caused things to shrink so significantly, I was embarrassed when people saw it like that. So again, that created stress and reduced my sleep. So I can throw out all these claims out the window. Just don't do it. Especially not with sun cream. In an example of one of the most misnamed humans ever, Darling Noah has been arrested, according to the Daily Star by Florida police. The 43-year-old has been aggressively sexually stalking a boy of 15 and sending naked images of herself. But unsurprisingly, that didn't work. So what do you think that she did next? What did she deem the next logical step in winning this boy's heart? I'm sure most of you guessed it. That's right, yeah? She sent the boy images of a man having sex with a horse. I mean, what, what boy wouldn't, wouldn't want that? Maybe, like, she's a weird stalker as well, and she just overheard him saying, ah, oh, I really love horses, and completely misconstrued what he actually meant. One Taste was founded in 2004 by Nicole Diodon, a company promoted orgasmic meditation. However, after winning awards, it's now being investigated by the FBI. After a BBC journalist got involved, she started going to just one workshop. And in that workshop, they were asking her very awkward questions, which again is like a very cult-like thing to do in the initiation and first stages because they break down your, your kind of nervousness, make you have to put yourself out there, which makes you more open and susceptible to like other things that they want to tell you. And um, after that, she, they kind of aggressively pursued her to attend in other events. And what she found was this very strange sex cult, like something out of a movie. And yeah, as I say, now the FBI and uh, everyone are actually investigating it. If I got, Honestly, the article itself is huge. And to just discuss it here would probably take over an hour. So there's been a whole separate podcast again on the BBC called The Orgasm Cult that I recommend you go and listen. This story is absolutely mad. Right, one more while the kids are out of the room. David Working has successfully sued his parents. David got divorced and ended up moving back into their Michigan family home. 
and when he was out, they found and destroyed his pawn collection, worth around $29,000. Although he won the lawsuit, I imagine exposing this big fact in public, David Working will now forever be called David Wanking to anyone he meets. Us Homo sapiens have been around 300,000 years, and by looking at fossils of bone structures, it looks like annually our early ancestors did something we would all probably do during this Covid winter. They saw a cave and thought, sod it, I'm going to sleep until it's warmer and hibernated. Although that does sound brilliant, there was a trade-off. The lack of vitamin D and nutrition caused some growth issues and diseases. Can you imagine teenagers today going to sleep for a few months and not checking the phone? One woman had fertility treatment and ended up giving birth to twins, but one twin was poorly and ended up needing regular shots. However, her douchebag mother-in-law was unable to tell them apart and kept giving the wrong twin the shot, requiring immediate medical treatment. So, on her doctor's advice, she got the baby tattooed. They tattooed a small freckle which will fade over time. And anyone that's listening that knows me will be saying, thank God that wasn't your kid, because they know that I would have had to put something really offensive on them in tattoo, not just a freckle. It just seems like a wasted opportunity. You get told by your doctor you can give your kid a temporary tattoo and you tattoo a freckle. Why not like a full-on handlebar moustache or, or like getting some facial tattoos like a, one of these modern rappers? It'd be a good social experiment, actually, wouldn't it? Which, which kid grows up more successful? This next story is like something literally out of a sci-fi novel. CNN reported that scientists have created the world's first living self-healing robot using stem cells from frogs, named Xenobots after the African clawed frog, from which they take their stem cells. The machines are less than a millimetre wide, small enough to travel inside human bodies. They can walk and swim, survive for weeks without food, and they work together in groups. Researchers from the University of Vermont scraped living stem cells from embryos, then they were cut and reshaped in specific body forms designed by a supercomputer, forms never before seen in nature. These cells then began to work on their own, so skin cells bonded to form structures, and pulsing heart muscle cells allowed the robot to completely move by itself. Xenobots even have self-healing capabilities, so when the scientist sliced into one robot... Just like a sci-fi novel, like I said, it healed itself and then just kept moving on. Basically, what they've done is create a biological machine. So it's almost like a robot, but instead of like, you know, plastic and metal and everything like that, they're using actual organic matter to create the parts of this kind of living, whatever they're going to call it, thing. They stated that traditional robots degrade over time and can produce harmful ecological and health side effects. Unlike the Xenobots, that they claim are more environmentally friendly and safer for human health, until they start bonding to your brain and taking over your impulses, I guess. As you can imagine, this was part funded by the military, the Defence Advanced Research Projects Agency, um, and they think they, they have some purposes for it. So Xenobots could be used to clean up radioactive waste, collect microplastics in the ocean, carry medicine inside human bodies or even travel outside our arteries to scrape out plaque. However, considering the military part funded this, none of this sounds particularly weaponized, which makes you wonder what other uses there are that wasn't published in the paper in the Proceedings of National Academy of Sciences. There is a potential it could be used in wounds, though, where people put these in and it self-heals. The journalist from CNN asked these scientists if the supercomputer, which is a powerful piece of artificial intelligence and plays a big role in building these robots, 
could have evil intentions with its AI, the scientist said that it's unlikely. Now, it's unlikely that I'm going to have a car crash, but I still put my seatbelt on every time I get in the car and go on a journey. You know what I mean? They said, at the moment, it's difficult to see how AI could create harmful organisms any easier than a talented biologist with bad intentions could. Well, a talented biologist would lose her job or his job, wouldn't they? Not, not just their job, their, their entire livelihood. They probably wouldn't get employed in that field again. Whereas a computer would just carry on being a computer. English Heritage received an envelope in the post and opened it to find a huge key, which said it was the key to St. Leonard's Tower in West Mailing in Kent. The note read, Borrowed in 1973 and returned in 2020. Sorry for the delay. English Heritage asked the anonymous person to get in touch to receive a year's full free membership for their honesty. St. Leonard's Tower is a Norman keep built by Gundolf, not Gandalf, Gundolf, the Bishop of Rochester, in 1077. Now, after further research, I also found that St. Leonard's Tower is said to have a ghost who appears out the window of the tower, but if you're unlucky enough to see it, local legend says that you will face disaster. I wonder if they had any visitors from Wuhan a year before. As I mentioned on the previous show, the 21st of December was the Big Conjunction, also known as the Christmas Star, which will lead to the end of the world as we know it, haven't you noticed? I certainly have, it's been completely different, hasn't it? Willie Dean, aged 51, who's a pagan druid, told the Daily Star they will end the world of male-dominated societies. The male leader of the Druid sect says we're moving into the age of Aquarius, which is more feminine compared to the male age of Pisces, which has been more communicative, cooperative, seeing a change in our value systems. Did you all feel it? The moment of the Great Conjunction? Suddenly patriarchy was just destroyed. All our male leaders quit and decided that a woman would do a better job like in New Zealand they have. Maybe it takes a few months to kick in. Let's, let's hope. A ghost boat turned up on the Marshall Islands laden with drugs. The boat, which had been following its own journey, drifting at sea, turned up on the island with 649 kilograms of cocaine hidden beneath a compartment beneath the deck. The drugs were packed into one kilogram bags with KW written on them and have now been incinerated apart from two bags which have been kept for analysing. They think that it's been drifted from South America. On December the 17th, a man in the Black Bay area of Boston found a message in a bottle in the space between their fireplace and flue interior wall of their home. It was in an N. Simmons rye whiskey bottle from around 126 years ago. The note, dated September the 23rd, 1894, has the name Tom Ford on it and the message 6 on Shear. So that's the number 6 on and then S-H-E-A. The Boston Archaeology Programme is calling for anyone with any idea who and what this is to get in touch via the Facebook page. If any listeners do kind of figure it out what that means, then, then let me know as well when you let them know. I'd be interested to know. Six on sheer. Actually, just as a real big coincidence, I'm wearing Tom Ford tobacco right now. An amazing aftershave. Absolutely love it. Do you reckon if I email them and tell them that I give them a mention on my like, podcast with three people listening, they'll send me a free bottle? What do you think? worth doing while I ponder that I'm just going to make a lovely couple lap sang Sushong okay and then I'll be right back with the next news right in the real world there's been a bit of a gap and I've made a cup of lap sang Sushong and it's steaming right next to me so we're going to carry on New Atlas reported that scientists have genetically modified tomatoes to produce LDOPAs 
drug use to treat Parkinson's disease as a cheaper way to produce the drug. And who knows if they turn into sauce, even kids may eat it. December saw a package delivered to excite the scientific world. In February 2019, the Japanese Hayabusa landed on Ryugo asteroid, hundreds of millions of miles from Earth, and it collected some of the surface dust. In December, the satellite came back down to Earth and landed in Australia, so that the samples they collected can now be studied in the labs for further research. Why does the universe keep expanding? We don't yet know, and answers of because it wants to have not yet officially become accepted. However, a new paper published in the Journal of Physical Review, not the easiest of reads, let me tell you, thinks they have a new theory which involves gravitational forces working in different ways to current scientific thinking when working on a larger scale, thinks authors, and apologise just in advance because I'll probably get this wrong, but the authors are Josie Maria Esquiaga and Mikhail Zamulakarogie. Gravitational waves can be measured when two cosmic objects collide. However, the scientists are measuring a new gravitational reading every six days, so this may mean there is a missing particle in space yet to be discovered, and when the gravitational waves hit these particles, it creates an altered signature. When I was arguing about the idea of paranormal things occurring recently, I was told that they believe in science and the set of rules, just look at gravity. So this furthers my argument that everything we thought was a law of science is being broken and proven wrong, and now gravity is proven to be no longer a constant. One cosmic question that still baffles scientists is what is dark matter, if it exists at all? Well, the Kavli Institute for the Physics and Mathematics of the Universe have hypothesised that dark matter could actually be tiny black holes which were created by nucleation of bubbles of false vacuum at the beginning of time. These are essentially baby universes containing sublunar masses of matter during an infinitesimally brief period of cosmic hyperflation, which is what every listener here thought all along anyway, isn't it? These black holes, they guess, could be 0.2 millimetres wide and could have formed in the first few milliseconds of the universe's creation when the whole universe itself, now just get this, was the size of a pinhead. It's hard to get your head round, isn't it? I won't go into the science of this anymore because unless you're a complete nerd like me, you're probably yawning. And let's be honest, if you want to learn more about this, you find it interesting. There are podcasts describing quantum physics by actual quantum physicists rather than my mashup job. But what is cool about this theory, and a theory is all it is at the moment, but inside these tiny black holes that are 0.2 millimetres big, other universes could exist. So if you believe in relativity, string theory, etc., there could be a podcast in a tiny universe with some nerd saying, scientists have come up with a crazy theory that there is a universe out there where we humans are smaller than the atom compared to those giants. Can you imagine if they got through the black holes and their UFOs came here, we wouldn't even notice. They'd be smaller than a bee. Sticking with space, what are ghost circles? In the academic magazine, The Conversation, Professor of Science Ray Norris describes how his colleague, Anna Kapinska, has discovered what he calls a ghostly circle of radio emissions hanging out in space looking like a cosmic smoke ring. The team then went hunting for more and have found them and have called them orcs or odd radio signals. The main thing they've discovered here is a mystery with little idea of what they are and just some more idea of what they're not. Two Russian scientists suggested they could be the throats of wormholes. 
Talking of cosmic radio signals, there was some really big news that our closest star, other than the Sun, is the Proxima Centauri, and the University of California has stated that they've discovered radio signals coming from it, 4.2 light years away. What is really strange to the scientists, though, is this transmission is in the range of 982 megahertz, a special range empty of any transmissions from human-made satellites and spacecraft, and a way of creating this frequency is unknown to physics and any of our technology, making it even more suspicious and interesting to the scientists. And us, of course. Discover magazine asked, Are strange space signals in Antarctica evidence of parallel universe? Odd detections of the South Pole have so far defied explanation, inviting theories beyond conventional physics. Last spring, a report from the world's largest neutrino telescope coincided with a blaze of hyperbolic headlines that teased the possibility of an anti-universe where, from our point of view, time runs backwards and the Big Bang represents an end, not a beginning. These signals were flagged by NASA-funded collection of horn radio antennas held aloft over Antarctica by a giant balloon. The article says the device, called the Antarctic Impulsive Transient Antenna, or ANITA, picks up radio signals produced when high-energy particles coming from deep space encounter our atmosphere. Some waves skim the Earth before they hit ANITA, and others bounce off the ice. ANITA can tell the difference. During its first float in 2006, and again in 2014, the device picked up anomalous signals that resembled the kind that skimmed the Earth, but strangely, they seem to be coming from the surface. That means they had to pass through a huge chunk of the Earth, said physicist Stephanie Whistle of Penn State. At the heart of this mystery are neutrinos, ghostly high-energy particles that can stream through almost any material unscathed, but can produce their own telltale radio pulses that Anita then catches. These findings were published in the Astrophysical Journal, and of course scientists are looking for explanations. Some said that the anomalies rose from radio waves bouncing through caverns or buried lakes in the ice, while other theorists proposed more exotic ideas, such as the heavy, high-energy particles in line with Anita's data may describe one candidate for dark matter. Still others hypothesised the exact particles fit an existing theoretical model of a parallel universe, one that is symmetric to ours but populated with antimatter and running backwards. I'm sure Christopher Nolan is looking at it and writing his next script as we speak. Tech2 reported that scientists have discovered a speedy highway in the solar system, potentially creating faster space travel. The study states the route can drive comets and asteroids near Jupiter to Neptune in under a decade and to 100 astronomical units in less than a century. Researchers observed dynamic structure in these routes forming connective series of arches inside space manifolds that range from Uranus and beyond. In other words, it's the difference between going on a normal river and the river rapids. Wi-Fi could be so old school now that they've discovered quantum internet. Caltech, a collaboration between Fermilab, NASA, Harvard University and AT&T, has successfully sent quantum info down fibre-optic cables over 14 miles. Sci-Fi Wire reported that this will make Wi-Fi absolutely obsolete and lead the way for quantum computing. At the moment, we're in the digital age where the information sent is made of zeros and ones, so we're limited to two states, whereas quantum computing using qubits. This to the consumer means this. Your smartphone, if it ran on qubits, will be millions and I mean millions of times more powerful than even today's best, most advanced supercomputer. 
you could probably download this podcast as fast as pressing the button, which I'm sure is the reason they actually invented the technology. In fact, in other news, New Atlas states that the Chinese have created a quantum computer that performed the task a current digital supercomputer would take 2.5 billion years to complete in just 200 seconds. Whereas Google claims last year its computer spent 200 seconds doing a task that would take 10,000 years. It seems the Chinese currently have quanta supremacy. Luxury launches reported that Dubai are now offering smart nail manicures. They paste a minute microchip onto your nail, then cover it with nail varnish, meaning you could transfer data in close proximity, a bit like your chip and pin card. It costs $70 and lasts for just three weeks. Make sure, however, you don't pick your nose. Staying in Dubai, and you probably will after hearing this, the fountain of youth has been discovered. Not literally, but a treatment called hyperbaric oxygen therapy has been proven to reverse the ageing process. Ageing was famously described by some scientists as a disease that we will cure one day. The ageing process is caused by a number of things. One of these is the shortening of telomeres. Basically, these could be described as aglets, the bit on the end of your shoelaces that stop them from fraying. Telomeres are on the end of DNA strands and stop our chromosomes ageing. In a trial of 30 people aged over 40, they sat in a pressurised chambers for 90 minutes a day, five days a week, and saw telomeres start to lengthen, reversing the ageing both physically of the body and of the brain in ways that could be visually seen. So this article was amazing, but it does bring up a number of ethics. So when we've got more than 7 billion people on the world and certain countries are very vastly overpopulated, in fact, the world's overpopulated, resources become smaller. Who do we choose who gets to live longer as well as then there's the whole debate about who should have children and who shouldn't and how many children should we have and should you impose, impose laws on them, etc., etc. I would say most, on average, most people want to live longer. They want their life to last longer. They don't want to kind of die, do they? My granddad passed away in 2019 and uh, he was 97. And my, my best mate, I'm like so close to him. And I remember, I still, it haunts me to this day. He sat there and said, Jamie, I don't, I don't want to leave this beautiful world. I don't want to leave it yet. And, and he was 97. So I think we all want that to last longer. So... Is this something that will be reserved for the rich or will everyone one day have one of these machines in the home and spend time in it? But then if we're living longer and we're already overpopulated, then how do we restrict births? And should we? do we have an ethical reason to restrict births? Obviously, this could be a whole podcast in itself, so I'm not going to go here. And it's also not the podcast for it, but I thought I can't really read that story with just the information without raising those interesting philosophical viewpoints, isn't it? Popular Mechanics reported that the US Air Force has controlled a U-2 spy plane using AI alone, kicking off the age of algorithmic warfare. Now, I thought I was a little bit nervous when I saw R2-D2 fly a spaceship in Star Wars, but a plane flying on a Microsoft computer when mine crashes every day is pretty nerve-wracking, I have to be honest. According to Sky, officials are investigating after Santa gave a care home a gift the gift of COVID. According to reports, Santa kindly visited a care home and gave 75 residents and 15 staff the virus. Twas the season for sharing. He's been busy as well because Glasgow Life saw him on the 12th of December in Glasgow city centre climbing aboard the Duke of Wellington's horse. The Mail reported 
that a New Orleans judge sentenced a man to five years of probation. Why did Rutledge Deas, aged 30, get this sentence? He pretended to be a carer and hired people to come to his house where they then pretended he was severely disabled and needed his diaper changing. It was only when one woman who had been doing this job for over a year spotted that he was also paying a man to do the same thing on his computer, raising her suspicions. I can't believe he tricked people to change nappies and pretended he was severely disabled, and all he got was five years of probation. I bet he didn't give a crap. Michelle Bachman stated that Satan stole her seat in November's elections because it's the 400th anniversary of the founding of Plymouth's colony in 1620. I don't know if he works like that. Mm. It's the 400th anniversary of the founding of Plymouth's colony in 1620. That is a big event. I must mark it somehow. Now, I could cause the apocalypse, or even just go smaller and have a tidal wave take over a city. What about an earthquake? Or I could, uh, I could steal Michelle Buckman's seat. That'll do it. That'll show them. Take that, God. My Modern Met featured the work of artist Hank Cheng on the 31st of December. Hank Cheng looks at a scene and creates perfect dioramas. If you were to look solely at the diorama, you would think you were looking at the actual scene. His models are photorealistic, but in 3D. He states the only things he can't make are the air and the sunshine, but it will attempt everything else at the scene. I have to be honest, if I were to guess if they were real or a model, I would fail. They are that perfect, even down to the minute specks of dust that he features. Maybe it will create one for the Yunesen Spa House in Hakone in southeast Japan. This is a little different to other spas though. Here, you can have a bath in a literal giant bowl of pork ramen soup. Supposedly, it's full of collagen, and it's meant to boost your metabolism and improve your skin. Also in Japan is the awesome 37-year-old man, Shoji Morimoto, who had a decent job, but then read Frederick Nietzsche, whose philosophy caused him to quit his job, reported by Oddity Central. He then became a person for hire for doing nothing. So for basic tasks like cherry blossom viewing, listening to someone who isn't listened to, or just being physically present for someone, his service is basically free, apart from the transportation costs and food and drink, but people wanted to pay him money, so now he earns a living and has become a bit of a celebrity in Japan. He says he doesn't do anything, he doesn't have any special skills, and doesn't commit to anything more than just being there. It does remind me of this time I knew this girl, and her dad was very ill and eventually passed away, and her boyfriend didn't get on with her dad and refused to go to the funeral. And I saw her that morning, and she asked me if I'd go and just be moral support so I, I went home got on my suit and went to support her so I'd never met this guy I didn't know kind of anything about him and I was just there to be a shoulder to cry on and obviously I was expecting it to be quite a miserable sombre affair the coffin came out and they started playing Meatloaf's Bat Out of Hell as the song that they brought the coffin in and everyone was wailing and I swear I was sat there biting my lip, just trying my hardest not to burst out laughing. It's one of the most difficult things I've ever done. George came home from work to find his wife in suspicious circumstances and immediately smelled a rat. A love rat. He began searching the house and couldn't find anything until he moved the bed. That's when he found a tunnel underneath. George jumped into the tunnel and found himself 
in a man called Antonio's home a few streets away. He confronted him, but he begged him to keep quiet as his wife was in the other room and didn't want her to know that he was cheating. George started fighting, and Antonio's wife called the police immediately. Therefore, Antonio had to admit to his deceit. To stop himself being seen, Antonio had built a tunnel so he could have his illicit affair by travelling underground under the streets. A British man was out birdwatching and spotted a few Celtic coins by his feet. In the end, he ended up filling a few carrier bags with a hoard worth £845,000, or $1,150,000. He then went home and alerted authorities, who, under British law, should give him a good cut for his find. In similar news, a couple were in the garden in the New Forest in Hampshire pulling up weeds when they noticed a gold coin. They ended up finding 63 gold coins and one silver in a hoard dating from Henry VIII's reign, said Sky News. Ray Buchanan from Utah has Mormon parents who belong to the Church of Latter-day Saints, so he decided for Christmas to get them a picture of the big man himself, Mr Jesus Christ, to hang on their wall, which they duly did. They absolutely love their painting, and Ryan couldn't admit to them that he's actually of Ewan McGregor dressed up as Obi-Wan Kenobi from Star Wars. Twelve is the magic number. Is twelve the divine number? An article on Fansided certainly thinks so. There is an argument that all sacred traditions, history and architecture revolve around the number, according to the initiator of the theory, William James Sidus. The evidence is thus. The clock is broke down into 12, as is the Hebrew calendar, signs of the zodiac, lunar cycles. There are also 12 chakras and cranial nerves in the body. The occult states there are also 12 grid vortices, like the Bermuda Triangle as well. In legend, Arthur had 12 knights and there were 12 Olympians, 12 lost tribes of Israels, 12 imams and apostles. Jesus had 12 disciples. The world's oldest temple, Gobekli Tepe in Turkey, is built around the number 12, as are the stones of Stens, the Kalanish stones and the 12 Apostle stones, where UFO sightings are a common feature. There are 12 pillars at Mount Sinai, 12 Galgalatokai circle stones, Elijah's altar on Mark Carmel has 12. Even the universe is a decahedron on the 12-sided shape, according to mathematician Geoffrey Weeks. The Sumerians count in 12 in a method taught to them by the Anunnaki, who were thought to be ancient aliens. Mentioned in the article are vortices like the Bermuda Triangle. One of these could also be the Manno-Uni, or in the English, Sea of the Devil. Japanese sailors fear this area, and legend has it, according to Anomalian, that a monster lurks in the deep and suddenly rises up to take unsuspecting vessels down into the depths. The creature is called Li Lung, the Dragon King of the Western Sea, and his body is decorated with all the vessels that is taken. And if the idea of that isn't scary enough, sailors frequently see strange lights and hear unexplained unnatural noises in this area. And like the Bermuda Triangle, there are a strange number of navigation interferences. In 1940, there were that many disappearances. The Japanese government officially declared it a danger zone and started to research the area in the 1950s, but the research vessel itself disappeared in 1952, as things had for centuries before, and still do to this day. The 29th of December saw Tuscan News KVOA report of mysterious booms being reported, 
that were so loud they made the ground shake like an earthquake. However, no seismic activity was reported in the area at the time of the event. The most likely explanation is a sonic boom, a sound created when an aircraft travelled beyond the speed of sound. However, still peculiar is no aircraft in the nearest bases to the area have speed of sound capability. Maybe the answer lies in meteorological phenomena. Here are the strangest medical conditions of 2020 according to live science. Now, as you're probably quite aware now, I drink mainly Lapsang Souchong, but now and again, if I'm feeling really kind of wild and out there, I will drink green tea. But what I don't drink is green pea. Yes, that is dark green urine. A 62-year-old man was hospitalised having high levels of carbon dioxide in his blood. His catheter started filling with the dark green swamp water, which seemed to be linked to a drug called propofol. When he stopped taking propofol, his wee went a pleasant shade of yellow again. Next, a man went into anaphylactic shock due to a severe allergy. Nothing odd about that, he say. This happens with severe allergies, but not like this. The 37-year-old from Colorado, USA, stepped out of the shower and had a severe allergic reaction to cold air on his skin. Thank goodness he lives in Colorado and not Alaska. Just think, you could actually murder the guy just by giving him the cold shoulder. This weekend, I ate a whole packet of licorice strips. And, being half Dutch, I also love drop, especially the honey ones. Drop are a type of salty licorice, and as they're so hard to get in the UK, when I do find any, I buy the lot and guzzle them down. That's why I was a little nervous when I read that a 54-year-old man died after overdosing on licorice, causing his heart to fail. That was because licorice contains glycerizin, which lowers the body's potassium levels, creating high blood pressure and abnormal heart rhythms. It's thought that just two ounces of licorice a day for two weeks has enough glycerizin to cause acute heart rhythm issues and to, can lead to death. So that is why my girlfriend keeps buying me bags of the stuff. She's very smart, that girl. Next was a case of a human voodoo doll. Well, kinda. A 17-year-old tailor sometimes keeps sewing pins in his mouth while he alters the clothes. Without realising it, he ingested one of these pins, which ended up sticking in his heart and putting his life at risk, meaning he had to have urgent open-heart surgery. But at least he got the point. Microbreweries have become all the rage this past decade, with tasty beers with unique names and funky packaging becoming all the rage and brands fighting for unique gimmicks to stand out from the pack. Or how about a bladder brewery? You could call it Pier, a cross between pea and beer. No? Me neither. But it's not just a crazy idea. A 61-year-old kept testing positive for alcohol despite not ingesting any. At first, the doctors thought she was just very sneaky, so they kept an eye on her and realised that she hadn't actually taken any alcohol at all. It turns out her liver contained microbes in her bladder, which kept converting her sugar into alcohol. The condition is so completely unheard of and rare that they haven't even given it a name yet. Exactly 6.6 miles, or around 10.62 kilometres, from where I am sat, William Wordsworth wrote the words, I wandered lonely as a cloud. However, a cloud isn't that lonely. Other clouds can often be seen in the sky. More effective would be, I wandered lonely as a spleen, as one only has one spleen. Especially if you're diagnosed with wandering spleen disorder, as one woman did in November. The case recorded that a spleen travelled a foot in just two days. We all need to change a view sometimes.
2020 will eternally be remembered as the year of COVID-19, the annoying virus that can be contagious for around eight days. However, a 71-year-old woman from Washington State became a human contamination unit when, without showing any symptoms of the virus whatsoever, she was shedding viral particles for a total of 70 days. This poor lady had a type of leukaemia and a weakened immune system meant her body was unable to clear the virus out of her lungs, where it continued to thrive and survive, causing risk to anyone who came in contact with her. Doctors said, you must be kidneying me. That was bad, wasn't it? When they scanned a greedy Brazilian man who had three kidneys instead of two, only one of a hundred cases ever recorded. Next, an Australian man was hospitalised with hot tub lung. This is a real condition caused by breathing bacteria that is normally in dirty warm water and is very, very rare. This poor teen had ankle surgery and had to keep his feet up for two months. So he wasn't bored. He spent these two months in his media room, which happened to be next to his warm indoor pool. This contained the bacteria, which became airborne in water vapour, which of course, being in such close proximity, he then breathed in, after it was revealed the family changed to a non-chlorine pool sanitizer, allowing the bacteria to flourish. Anyway, just to tell you a story that you might find amusing, I had um, reconstructive surgery on my ankles, just like this guy, on my left ankle it was. I've got hypermobility and, and I kept falling over, just because my ankles are so loose, especially my left one. So they performed this reconstructive surgery, and just like him, I had to uh, keep my legs up for, for two months. Um, the first kind of week, it was that swollen, you just have to sit very still. And after that, they put on a cast to keep the foot rigid and in place. So we had to drive all the way to York, which is about an hour and 10 minutes away from where I am now, um, to the hospital there so they could check it. And then they put it in the plaster and I went home. And the next morning, I woke up, sat down. And as soon as I sat down, I could feel something warm. And I was like, what's going on? The dog had peed in my plaster cast. A cast that was meant to wear for another seven weeks, but it also went inside on the internal dressing. So that meant another trip to York and back again. Wasn't best impressed. Finally, in the live science list, a woman went to hospital with abdominal pains due to an issue which occurred 60 years ago. Six decades previous, the woman had intestinal surgery when a blockage formed and surgeons accidentally left a tiny dormant piece of intestine in. This, over time, accumulated substances and formed a smooth round pebble, four centimetres long, which then had to surgically be removed. Despite this list, 40N News podcasts state that they were a little premature in putting it together, as December saw a quick burst of crazy medical issues. On December the 19th, in the New England Journal of Medicine, Doctors checked a 65-year-old man's pulse who had fallen and dislocated his hips. They used a machine that checked his pulse by placing it upon his ankle. The machine picked up his heartbeat, but also something else. Inexplicably, it also started playing music. The song was identified as Gracias por Tor Amor by Bandel Arcando. The equipment hadn't done it before and hasn't done it since. No faults were found and it was only occurring when placed on this specific man's ankles. Some have guessed that it was due to him having a hip replacement and the metal hips picking up signals like an aerial would. The New Zealand Herald reported that woman was taken to hospital as she was battling incontinence, hallucinations, extreme anxiety and insomnia for months. 
Doctors could not find the answer as to what was occurring with these symptoms, so she was admitted after she started getting seizures, which is when they found the cause. A couple of months previous, this lady hadn't eaten all day, so she went to a fridge and pulled out a box of sushi that she bought five days previous at a service station. She put soy sauce on the fish as it was slightly turning to mask the taste. That was when it started. She started having stomach cramps and a jiggling feeling before she went to the toilet, which she describes as feeling like a fish flapping about in her belly. Sounds lovely. At first, they thought she was just a little bit crazy, to be frank, and offered her therapy as the psychotic episodes continued. However, after that, her body started shutting down, her red blood cells were over-large, her white blood cells were misshapen, she had sensory ataxia, where her senses weren't working at all, and a lack of B12 vitamin caused her to have nerve damage and be unable to sleep. They gave her B12 supplements and she did start to respond well, and she slept, so they let her go. But then she had another seizure and more psychotic episodes, and despite a huge intake of vitamin B12, her levels inside her body were still insanely low. Why? The sushi had tapeworm eggs in. A small stool sample showed thousands of tapeworm eggs, a kind of Diphylobrithium latum, which can grow up to 9 metres long, which finally answers the question, what is Michael Gove? The tapeworm was stealing all her nutrients and B12, so the dose struck with wormer, and boom, she was healed. What I wanted to know, and the articles don't say, is when the tapeworm died, did a body absorb it, or does it come out the other end? Can you imagine straining having to pull that out too? Too much? Okay, on with the next. Speaking of doctors, a group called America's Frontline Doctors last year got an audience with the now ex-vice president, Mike Pence. This group genuinely believe that some of the ailments are caused by sperm collected from the body from dream sex with demons. Now I know why I'm in so much pain all the time. From now on, I'm sleeping with a chastity belt on. AFP News reported that some Latvians were arrested for kidnapping a turkey and taking it to a vodka party. I've been invited to a few parties in my time, and what I've never, ever thought is, when I've thought, what shall I take? Cake? Alcohol? A gift? Or shall I just bring a random animal with me? I mean, you, you, you can kind of get it if the turkey was kicking about the flat and they just thought, come on turkey, fancy coming to a party so you're not on your own. But... They actually went to the effort of breaking into the zoo to get the bird. And this is where the next bit confuses me, right? If you're going to go to the effort of breaking into a zoo, a turkey's a bit of a crap choice, isn't it? They could have taken a zebra, a porcupine, an emu. You could even ride the emu home, couldn't you? What can you do with a turkey? Apart from having a quick gobble or maybe serve it up for Sunday lunch. Anyway, they were arrested the next day and police said even the turkey had a hangover. That's a genuine quote, by the way. A woman who worked in customer services for Poundland, the British version of the dollar store, reported to the Daily Star that a customer rang to complain how they were treated when a mum had an accident on the floor. The conversation was confused as customer service rep thought that her mum had slipped, but what she meant was her mum had taken a dump on the shop floor. This is one example of where the customer is not always right. Right, hang on a minute, I, I just need a little rant here, okay? I'm off again, I know. But, listen, how were they expecting to be treated? 
They've complained about how they were treated. These people work in Poundland, so they're probably barely going to pay beyond minimum wage. What they're going to do, go and thank them deeply. You know, not only do they have this job that they probably wish they were doing something else, but they're now having to clean human excrement off the floor. What do they think they do? Roll out the red carpet and say, oh, there's that woman that crapped on our floor. Please come again tomorrow and do the same. Or how about tonight? You're enriching our day and delighting us. You crap on the floor, you get treated like crap. That's how it goes. What planet are these people on? I won't go in Tesco's and take a dump on the counter and then get upset and ring up and complain because the cashier didn't say, have a nice day, please come again. If anyone knows who this woman is who rang up to complain because they didn't treat her like right after her mum crapped on the floor, let me know because I want to interview her on the show. I believe we can get some real in-depth analysis on the human psyche of the 40 in mind from this interview. Please pass her on my contacts, okay? Have you ever wondered why when you sleep in a hotel or somewhere new, you never feel like you've actually had a really good sleep? Scientists have now proven a phenomenon called FNE, or first night effect. Current Biology published a paper by Brown University, which discovered when you sleep in a new location, a portion of the brain doesn't shut down at night. It remains alert and vigilant, ready to sense any danger in the night, a bit like a duck. Now, I haven't worded that right. Not a duck attacking you in the night, but a duck actually sleeps with one eye open, ready to plop in the water if a fox creeps up on them. Dolphins also only partially sleep in case a predator comes along. I absolutely love this story. Alan Morris Stifle is facing 20 years in jail because he was bootlegging blueberry wine in a sewage plant he was managing. You can just imagine it getting in the hands of a wine tester. Oh, I say, there's a strong taste of blueberry with bold citrus undertones, but I'm getting the scent of... What is that? Atnet have reported that archaeologists in Jerusalem have uncovered the Church of All Nations, a.k.a. the Church of Agony, which sounds like a dodgy death metal band, as well as the foundations of a 2,000-year-old ritual bath. They believe this is the site that Judas is thought to have kissed Jesus before betraying him and not far from the Last Supper. The Smithsonian published an article on the 28th of December that the oldest alabaster effigy of a priest thought to be from 1348 depicting John de Belton who died of the Black Death and has been found hiding behind a church organ pipe. Sadly, Henry VIII's men have smashed his face just so he could get divorced. Despite this, it's still considered a rare and exciting find. In 1187, in modern-day Czech Republic, they built the Milvesco Monastery, and like many Catholic monasteries, it held holy relics. In 1420, during the Hussite War, troops entered the area and these artefacts were concealed in a hidden treasure room beneath the monastery. And so they remained, until they were recently discovered by archaeologists according to the mail. One of these have been alleged to be a nail which nailed Jesus Christ to a cross. It was found in the secret area in a box dating from between 260 to 416 AD with an inscription on the box meaning Jesus is King. The box was also adorned with a 21 carat gold cross. Obviously there are a number of relics claiming this same claim and scientists are currently working on ways to authenticate the age of the nail. Only in October a similar find was made. This nail was originally from a cave understood to be the resting place of Caiaphas, 
the Jewish priest who the Bible claims sent Jesus to his death. These nails incredibly still attached to a bone and also have splinters of petrified wood in them, showing that one, they are ancient, and two, they were definitely used to crucify someone. The search for history continues. I apologise if you can hear that noise. The fan of my Mac has turned on and the microphone's picking it up. So um, apologies for that audible infestation. Anyway, talking of relics, an unemployed 40-year-old in the UK thinks he's found the Holy Grail. And it's under a secret crypt in the Duke of Northumberland River in Hounslow, according to the Mail. I mean, where else? Although this sounds absolutely barmy, and he won't share the evidence publicly yet, he has shared it to the Environmental Agency, who believed it enough to agree to divert the river so that he can take a look. I'll keep you posted if more news is updated. Another relic is the miracle of St Januarius. In Naples, every 16th of December, according to anonalien.com, Catholics present a vial of dried blood to the crowd, which they have done for hundreds of years. This solid blood miraculously turns into liquid for several minutes before drying again. However, this year it stayed solid. Surprise, surprise. Every time it does so before something terrible happens. The other times it did was the year pre-World War II, the eruption of Vesuvius and the strong earthquake. However, I would argue as to why it didn't occur last year. I'd say a global pandemic is a pretty big cataclysm. A mysterious part of the puzzle as to how they built the pyramids was thought lost and has recently been rediscovered. In a matchbox, in Scotland of course. The box had been misplaced by the University of Aberdeen and lost for 70 years after originally being found in the Queen's Chamber of the Pyramid in Giza in 1872 and contained cedar parts which were thought to once be part of a tool dating back to 3341 BC. It is thought they may hold precious clues as to how the aliens built the pyramids all those years ago. British Lance Corporal John Weldon Williams was serving in Italy in World War II and wrote a letter to Pat Moore in 1944, which was delivered in 2020, reports the Jerusalem Post. John had received a pair of knitted mittens, which Pat kindly knitted as a young girl, as she was knitting clothes for the troops, and John wanted to thank her personally and tell her that her contribution is greater than she thinks. Sadly, Pat Moore died aged 36, and she ended up not knowing how much her actions deserved so much gratitude, as the letter was lost, but was found in a book by World of Books, who launched a campaign to find the owner of the letter and have it delivered. A historian managed to find Pat's daughter, who accepted the letter with pride and joy on her behalf. In it, John tells Pat how he's married with a son and has a small house in London, and the day that he will return will be glorious. He did indeed return home and lived out his life until he passed away in 1970. The film crew have released the information that while filming the brilliant TV comedy Ghosts, they found a velvet bag in the attic, and inside was a skull, thought to be that of Sir Walter Raleigh himself. When he died, the head was given to his wife, who was said to have kept it tied around her waist. Well, what else are you going to do with it? You know, bury it. Don't be daft. There are many ways to decorate the pagan... Uh, sorry, I mean the Christmas tree. Mine is often decorated with annoying and destructive cat, but Christmas 2020 saw a whole host of animals found in their trees. While unwrapping the spruce for the Rockefeller Plaza, they found a saw-wet owl, 
which was taken to a rescue centre and obviously named Rockefeller. The McCormack family in Adelaide returned home to find a Christmas koala in their artificial tree. When they walked in, they thought it was a stuffed toy put there as a prank until it started to move. The poor koala ended up being wrapped up in Christmas lights, so the McCormacks called Animal Control to have it removed. However, they took some persuading, because they thought the McCormacks were also pulling a prank on them. In Florida, a lady called Aubrey Lacobelli found at 4am a raccoon had got in through a doggy door and settled in a Christmas tree. She said she got the dog to try and scare it out, but instead they both knocked the entire tree over and the raccoon went to hide in Aubrey's chandelier instead, until eventually leaving after an hour. Police were called to Louise Anderson's home in Ellen in Scotland after a sparrowhawk described a spectacular, flew into her home and perched happily on a Christmas tree. The police ended up capturing it and said, after a full body search, she was released without charge. That was the Sparrowhawk, not Louise, just to confirm. Last of all, in Tasmania, Felicity Richardson found something a bit more interesting than tinsel draped in a tree when she found a Christmas copperhead snake, who I imagine wishes everyone a Merry Hismas. Inverse reported that the University of British Columbia measured brain data of terminally ill people, and from the results, they theorised that even as the entire body is shutting down, they are completely unresponsive. It does seem like auditory reception is still occurring, so it's definitely worth talking to loved ones at the start of their transition, as although they may not respond, it does seem that they can definitely hear you. Some say writer Shelley Jackson's writing is a bit cold. That's because she's penned a story every time weather permits, word by word, in the snow, and photographing the results on Instagram, where then people can read the story, a photo at a time. The South China Morning Post has revealed that two apartment buildings in the Nanan district of Chongqing in China had a load of foliage cleared in what they thought was just a cliffside. Once the foliage was removed, turned out to be a 30-foot headless Buddha carved into this rock. Archaeologists think it likely dates back to the Qing dynasty, although they sadly seem to have decapitated this ancient monument, building a road on top of it and buildings without realising it was there. The Mail reported that a man from Scarborough in Canada felt depressed and isolated, so he sat there and thought, what will make me less isolated? And formulated the idea to tattoo his entire body bright blue so that he now looks like a smurf. It wouldn't have been my first choice. I would have thought people would actually cross over the road to get away from him if they saw him walking towards him. It's a shame I couldn't just have a chance to chat to him first. Look, if you're feeling isolated and lonely and you're thinking of tattooing your entire body blue and you want some hints and tips, you know, I honestly don't mind if you get in touch with me. Yeah? Get in touch with me first before you go to the tattooist. I've got some ideas that are also, you know, fairly radical, but a little less permanent. Like learning how to bake a cake and just having a cake sale for charity and having a chat to people. Yeah, it's a bit wacky, a bit out there, but you never know, it might work. It's worth a go. Amateur code crackers have finally solved the 340 cipher. The Zodiac Killer in San Francisco needlessly killed a number of victims, five of which are confirmed, but the FBI thinks there are a potential 28 why he himself stated that there are 37. He has never been caught, 
but was famous for toying with the police in written letters, including a strange code. The FBI has actually confirmed that the code has now been cracked after 51 years, according to the San Francisco Chronicle, although they wouldn't give any more details as for now, because they want to crack the case. This is a really interesting one, because most serial killers, they don't just stop killing. They, they often have like a cool-down phase, but it's very, very rare that they just suddenly decide that they're not going to kill anymore. So either the person that has done it has, um, you know, died himself or moved to another area. But anyway, I hope they do find out who it is so they can get closure for the, uh, the families of the victims. Tom Sleeman, according to Anonmalian, has called for a database to begin where people can add their premonitions, with his reason being he's determined that plenty of people have them who have no psychic ability and get details absolutely correct. He believes that if enough people have the same premonition, then we can start to prepare for the future. An example he gave was in 2002, one woman had numerous dreams that everyone was walking around wearing surgeon's mask, and you pretty much guess where he's going with that one. But then that does open a paradox, doesn't it? If 20 people all dream that a truck leaves the road off Manchester and crashes on a certain day at a certain time into a school and kills 20 people, so then they evacuate that school on that day and nobody dies. What if one of those people who survived works out how to feed the world with little effort or money, leading to the planet becoming further overpopulated and eventually leading to the early death of humanity? Was that person then supposed to die who you've now saved? Or to switch it and look at, look at it optimistically, what if that person survived and accidentally ran over someone in a car accident in 20 years later, and if they hadn't, that person was then going to go on to find a cure for cancer, for example? I love these philosophical paradoxes, and I'd be really interested in what your views are. So do you think that we should change the future, and why? Or do you think we should just leave it how it is, even if we know what's going to happen? What are your, your views? What would you do? If you were in charge, if you were the government and you had this dilemma, I guess you call it, what, what would you do? Get in touch at 40nnewspodcast.gmail.com and I'd love to read out your viewpoints on the show. According to the Chinese paper Global Times, a woman's football team lost a match because one of their players' hair was not black enough. Both teams had to dye their hair before the game as it wasn't black enough, but one of the players' hair was still not black enough so she couldn't play. Jeez, people in this country are getting like confused with the new offside rules and handballs, let alone adding stupid rules such as your hair black enough to, to it. I mean, what do they do? Get a colour chart and hold it up to your hair as you're walking on the pitch to see if it's black enough. And no offence if anyone is listening in China, although I doubt it, but what, what difference does it make? Who came up with this rule and why? I'm fascinated to know. Seven News reported that Che Lewis was not allowed to attend a funeral in Trinidad and Tobago, even though it was his own, and it was all because he came in a chair and not in a coffin. He was embalmed in a seating position and dressed in a pink blazer and tie with white trousers, where he rode on top of a hearse on his chair before being refused entry to his own funeral. Instead, he sat at the door with his shades on and looked like a security guard. Sky News reported that Adolf Hitler has won the local authority elections in Ampunja in Namibia with 85% of the vote. Good for you, Adolf. Fear not, though. He says there's no plans for world domination and said his dad gave him the name without knowing what that man stood for. It was once a German colony, 
so it's used to having German street names and German people having German names. I don't wish to wish anyone any ill will, but I hope his political career doesn't go any further and he ends up Prime Minister of Namibia, because I can't see Adolf Hitler on a diplomatic visit to Israel going down too well. Also reported by Sky News, police were called out in Edinburgh, Scotland after a rare weather event occurred where snow mixes with thunder, called, imaginatively, thundersnow. This rare weather phenomena caused people to think that they were hearing bombs being exploded around them. Does China know something we don't? CNN reported that the Chinese Civil Aviation Administration released new COVID guidance for its staff, which included wearing diapers so they don't have to go to the bathroom. That's the sexy, sophisticated image of the air steward staff out the window now, isn't it? However, it may not be as crazy as it sounds. Long held to be a cesspit of nastiness, ANA, the Japanese airline, are testing a design for hands-free toilets, and American Airline are making self-cleaning lavatories, which uses UV light cleaning 99.9% of bacteria after each use. And just before any of you go cleaning yourself with strong UV light, bacteria is not a virus, okay? It won't get rid of COVID. Archaeologists using laser and satellite imagery have mapped 35 old villages close together in the Amazon of Colombia, which is interesting in itself, but even more fascinating is they're laid out in a similar shape as if to represent the cosmos reported by Life Science. It describes them as a vast network of abandoned circular and rectangular shaped villages dating from 1300 to 1700, with remarkably similar layouts with elongated mounds circling a central plaza like marks on a clock. Roman Novak, I'm not mocking him that he doesn't have a vacuum cleaner, that's his name, from the Czech Republic, was out looking for mushrooms in the forest and stumbled across a 3,300-year-old Bronze Age axe and sword. The beautiful sword, interestingly, is said to resemble those of Northern Germanic design and features elaborate ceremonial designs. A 26-year-old woman from Nadolia in Zambia is suing her boyfriend as he is wasting her time and after eight years has not married her. Gentside reported that a man bought some socks in Primark. Inside, he found a human bone with flesh still attached. He reported it to Essex Police, who believed someone hid the bone in the shop and that it's not actually from one of the supplier's factories. Primark has apologised. The Express warns the Mayan calendar was incorrectly calculated and actually the end of the world is this year and on December the 21st. At least knowing that, I don't have to save up for Christmas presents this year. And finally, two headlines that don't need any more further explanations other than telling you that China McDonald's has released a Spam and Oreos burger. Mmm, delicious. And in Scandinavia, McDonald's has opened its first barbershop but it's only doing the 90s curtains hairstyle to resemble the M. Why?
And that's it. Recorded for the second time round, and this time I'm gonna save it before I upload it so the cat can't do anything. That was one lesson deeply learned. I've also bought a hard drive as well. So yeah, December just had loads, and I'm, I apologize for it being a bit late. Um, I really don't want to labour the point, and I'm, again, I'm not trying to make anyone feel sorry for me, but they changed my medication just before Christmas. It's made me quite poorly, and um, literally, like, some nights not sleeping at all, uh, or getting 40 minutes. And then I had a whole week of fibromyalgia flare-up, so I'm a bit delayed, but it is out, it's recorded, it's done. All of January's news, um, there's not as much as December, but it's all there on the Flipboard app. You can go and have a look at 14 News Podcasts. It's there. I'm going to start writing. going to stay up every night this week and at the weekend and write it until it's done. And then I will record it and put it out. What I'm wanting today, what the aim actually is, is to record a show every two weeks. So every two weeks of news and put it out there. Um, that's the eventual aim. It's, give me more, you know, once I catch up and be able to hopefully keep to that, sh- that schedule. Um, it just means a lot to me, you guys, and it sounds really silly, and I'll probably get emotional saying it, but every single person that's got in touch has been absolutely lovely, and I, I do strangely feel like this strange kind of community that we're building here, um, just really lovely people that have just discovered this podcast, and I, you know, 100% honestly as well, I'll tell you, when, when I first recorded the first few shows, and they were terrible, I admit that, um, I just put them out and all I did was tell a couple of people on, on Facebook, on my own frenzy. So I've done a show, go and listen, that, that was it. And other people have discovered it from around the world. And um, they've just told other people, you know, and it's, it's, it's building and building and that's just so lovely. And when I read the reviews as well, I, I, it's going to sound really sad, isn't it? But when, when I went on, um, it was on the Apple one and I, I read the reviews, actually made me cry a little bit I, I was um okay i've got adhd i'm oversensitive i know but it, it really did mean so much to me you know this is just something i'm just a guy in in my room <laughs> recording a show on a night that i write you know out of work um and after the kids are sorted and that's it and yet as soon as i pull this up now within you know half an hour of it putting out about 70 people have downloaded it which blows me away so I just you know thank you so much I just want to say as well I've been really annoyed there's a couple of shows that I listen to that have now been put on like this this private server and you have to pay subscriptions to listen to it and everything once they get big I'm telling you it'll never happen it'll never happen but no matter how if this show does end up being you know with millions of listeners this will always be a free show that's my promise to you and you can Record this and hold me accountable if I change my mind. I promise you I won't. This will always be a free show for for you guys to listen to. And that's how it should be. That's what podcasting's about. You know, if it gets so big that I do have to quit my job and everything, we'll find other ways to, to fund it. But this will always be a free show. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, the numbers I have now, as I said, I get the, the last few have been the biggest I've ever had. And I'm, I'm getting about 150 per show, which just blows me away. I don't advertise or anything like that. I'm, I just put it on social media and stuff. It's you guys that do that. You guys tell other people and they tell other people. So thank you so much. Just love you guys. It's mint. Absolutely love it. Thank you. So, so we have some really great stories anyway in January. So I'm looking forward to writing that up. And um, yeah, 
Thank you so much for listening. Do get in touch. Um, I'm going to put this up on social media. If you could just, all you have to do, it takes two seconds, just click share and just share it with someone else. You know, if you share it, one other person might listen and download it. You know, 50 people share it, one person might download it. That's how it goes. And they might tell someone else and so on and so on. I'd really appreciate that. Thank you so much. You don't have to, but it'd be great if you did. Anyway, I'm a little bit excited because I'm hopefully booking a holiday. My first holiday in about five years. Um, hopefully going to Bulgaria. Anyone been there? Any good? I'm going to get over there next year with the family. Should uh, should be a nice break, something to look forward to, innit? Anyway, I'm rambling. It's also three in the morning and I've still got to upload this. So um, I'm going to do that and go to bed. And I just hope you enjoy it. Night, everyone. <laughs>